Hey everybody, Blake with Marvel.com here, and we have another very special guest on the show today, a new member of the Marvel family. Introduce yourself, sir. Yo, Charlemagne the God, <laughs> the Prime Minister of pissing people off, the ruler of rubbing you the wrong way, the architect of aggravation. That's me, Blake. What's happening? It's so... My South Carolina brother. Yes, sir. It's so weird um, interviewing you because that's like part of what you do for a living. That's about 80% of what I do. <laughs> I usually just interview like, you know... Celebrities. I mean, you're obviously a celebrity, but once yeah, I don't you go like that term. People, you know, like what? What's it like for you being interviewed? Um, I actually enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy being interviewed because, like, it's 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 cool to know that somebody cares. Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, when you take the time to interview somebody, it's because you actually care enough about that person to sit there and want to ask them questions and know about their life and know about what they're into. So it's cool that people actually care. Mm -hmm enough to want to interview me so I, I enjoy it and uh obviously some backstory for the fans who aren't aware we gave you a tour maybe what last year last year one of the greatest moments of my life Mar <laughs> marvel hit me up sloop my guy chris robinson and brought me up here to tour and i was happy about two things i was happy that i was at marvel and happy to know so many people from south carolina are here working at marvel oh yeah okay we got to touch on that yeah. in a second but so you got a tour we found out that we, we knew you were a marvel fan because you mentioned wolverine a lot i, I got a wolverine right. tattoo on my exactly. right arm that I'm about and, to get redone over, actually. And then now, fast forward, now you're a Marvel writer. Yes, they uh, y'all granted me with the opportunity to write my own comic book, man. And it, it, when when they first, when Chris first told me, I'm like, huh, really? <laughs> y'all want me to write a, a a comic book? So it's like I sat down and you know was writing out different. What came up with a story first of all, and was writing out different lines and sending them to Chris. And Chris was like. Uh, Charlemagne, Marvel has standards. You know, <laughs> you know certain things aren't going to fly. Uh -huh. We don't think we can have uh, Captain America be all lives matter. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was dope. It was basically it was my vision. Like like 85 percent of what I wrote, they kept. That's great. You know what I mean? And what? Yeah. So so you, I, I, the thing I love too is like you're the first person I've seen who like was like I'm. We'll have you write a comic. And then you come and you're like, I'm going to be in the comic and be the star of the comic. Yeah. So I respect that. I didn't know that you could do it any other way. I thought that, <laughs> like, now, if somebody came to you and was like, yo, you could do your own Marvel comic book, <laughs> why would you want to do any other character? That's fair. Like, um, don't get me wrong. Like, I have ideas now for other characters <laughs> in the Marvel Universe, but initially, right. you're going to let me be a Marvel character? Absolutely. Why not would I not want to be a part of that world? And the other thing that was fascinating about the book is like, you know, you you gave some jabs at yourself a little bit here and there Absolutely. in the book. That's respectful there too. You know, I mean, I mean for me, I, I feel like you know to be self-deprecating is important mm -hmm. because you can't be the type of person that gets on the radio or gets on television every day and gives your opinion so much about people, but won't give your raw opinion about yourself. Like mm -hmm. I'm very self-aware. Like I'm very self-aware. I'm aware when I'm on some, you know. Real stuff, I'm aware when I'm on some BS. You know what I mean? And I'm not afraid to question myself because sometimes, a lot of times, we may say things and then get questioned to chastise for it, which makes you step back and think about it. Like, maybe I could have said that a different way. Maybe I oh, could have well. communicated that a different way. Or maybe I should have done this. But, yo, you can't be afraid to question yourself and be self-aware. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's how, that's people, people who have high emotional intelligence aren't afraid to do that. And the other thing that was great about the book, amongst many other things, is you had so many, like, deep cuts in there too character wise yeah how did you come out come up with some of those oh define deep cuts for me now that's, the, that's well, like a very deep comic book term god i mean you know even there was a one point you even i think i believe like tweeted about it where you said can you name all these characters in the background of this story? oh got you yeah 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 so i mean because my 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 history in marvel is 
it runs deep. So I have favorite characters. Like Wolverine has always been like my favorite mm-hmm. character because I always felt like I kind of I kind of felt like him growing up, you know, because he was like a loner, but he still wasn't afraid to be with a team. He had like exceptional healing powers. Mine are emotional, of course, not physical. <laughs> you know, even though sometimes in my mind I get a cut and put some Neosporin on it and it heals quick. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Wolverine. But, you know, I've always liked Wolverine. I've always liked Luke Cage, you know, specifically because he was black. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's just the truth to the matter. Like, growing up, I was in the hero for hire, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And I liked, he had, you know, super hard skin and, you know, incredible strength. And the fact that for a long time he wouldn't go fight. If you didn't pay him. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was dope. So, like, it's like those are people that I definitely wanted in there. You know, of course, Black Panther. Like, I just, like, Magneto was one of my favorite villains. Like, I just like Marvel. So it's like, yo, these are people I want involved. Green Goblin, you know? Like, it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just into it. And we'll have to touch on this later on as well. But I you had wrote a book compared to that writing this was it a similar thing or did you have to start fresh or, or what book was um book was easier wow yeah because i mean the book is me mm-hmm. you know it's my life like you know the name of the book is black privilege opportunity comes to those who create it it'll be out april 18th and you know the book is just about how i was able to transcend my circumstances from monk's corner south carolina population eight thousand, growing up on a dirt road to being where I am now, writing comics for Marvel and TV and nationally syndicated radio shows. So it's basically it's eight principles that I learned in my life, mm-hmm. you know, that helped me to be where I am right now. So it's kind of like those are my superpowers. You know what I'm saying? I'm giving people, I'm giving people like real life rules on how you be, can become an everyday superhero, so to speak. But the reason I say it was easy is because it's just, it's honestly just me recollecting. Like that's literally all it was. It's like me literally sitting there telling these stories that I've told over and over at nauseum, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on TV, whether it's just every day talking to my homies. It was it was just easier to do because it's like, you know, to create a whole story about a fictional world and about you being in a fictional world and wanting it to make sense because I had to blend what I do on the radio with, you know, these characters in the Marvel universe. So it was just that's that's a little bit more difficult than like just telling your telling your story. That makes sense. And you mentioned like you mentioned me earlier, but what, what who would you want to write if you had the opportunity? I want to do Blue Marvel, man. Mm, see, that's a deep cut right there. Yeah, Blue Marvel is a, a a black superhero in the Marvel universe. The last time I remember them putting something out on them, and maybe the only time was 2008. Oh wow! You know, and I just think Blue Marvel's got like such a dope history because I if you remember um. You know, he was a superhero. He wore a mask, but then the, the helmet got broke, if I if I remember correctly. And when the helmet got broke, John F. Kennedy was basically like, you can't be a superhero no more because nobody will take a black superhero serious. If, if, if I remember the story correctly, I remember it being something <laughs> along those veins. And I just think it would be so dope to, like, bring that into the now. Like, of course, talk about that, but bring it into the now because we live in this... This 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 evil time where it's such a terrible racial climate, man. It's like it seems like it's just everybody's divided. Mm-hmm. Like you got black against white, men against women, you know, religions versus religion. So it's almost like imagine if we did live in the Marvel universe, how much more us as human beings would love and appreciate each other because we'd realize there's things out there bigger than us. Mm-hmm. You got mutants, you got inhumans, you got gods, you know what I'm saying? Like you have all these things that are bigger than us and bigger than race. So it would be kind of dope just to explore how it went from that when Blue Marvel first started to 
where he is now mm. in his situation. Um, this might be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Did you learn anything after writing the comic about yourself, about writing, about the about create? I guess obviously creating a comic, you learned. How yeah, that, you, 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 it's just another, so just another level mm-hmm. or another layer added to the mentality of man. I can do anything I put my mind to. That's great. Like serious, like mm. you know what I mean. Like I, I know this sounds cliche. We've been hearing it since kindergarten, but anything your mind can conceive, you can achieve. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that simple. That's why it's so important to, to plant the proper seeds inside of people. You know, like I think self doubt is what is everybody's, you know, kryptonite. Mm-hmm. You know, self doubt is everybody's, like like weakness, so to speak. Like we don't think that we can do things, you know. But when we realize, yeah. Just, just, just try it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you just try it, you may surprise yourself. And so it was like I've never written a comic book before. And the last time I even remotely did something like this when I was in like tenth grade, and we had to do like a a, a project, uh, like a, some type of report. And I chose to do, I chose to write a book as my report, and it was about a character named Slang. And Slang was a like a, a lizard man, because you know from South Carolina, you from yeah, South Carolina, yeah. you know about the, the lizard, lizard man. man yeah. So Slang was actually a lizard man who wanted <laughs> to be a normal person. So that's what the book was about: how this lizard man wanted to live his life as a normal person and just be accepted as a normal human being. Like, he didn't want to be treated like a lizard man. <laughs> so he adopted like all the slang of the society that he lived in. So he just basically adopted hip hop culture. That's amazing. So he would dress hip hop and talk real hip hop and just try to be accepted. And he got accepted by the hip hop people because hip hop people at the time, it was in the 90s, they were already considered kind of the outcasts. So they was like, yeah, rock with us, Lizard Man. <laughs> and they and that was his nickname. His nickname was Slang. That's what they used to call the Lizard Man, Slang. Yeah. So that was the last time I even remotely did something like this. So to do it again, you know, was 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 dope. Is this a thing that could ever come out? Would you ever like Slang? Yeah. Yeah. If it, if it made sense. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if like, I think that's a real dope character, like, to have the lizard man come out of the swamps of Somerville, South Carolina, <laughs> and be like, look, man, I just look like this. I'm a human being. The only reason I'm hiding in the woods is because of how I look, and I don't want to scare anybody, <laughs> but I'm really a nice guy. So him having to live his life trying to prove to people in South Carolina that he's really a nice guy and who accepts him and who doesn't. The whites don't want him. The blacks don't want him. Mexicans don't want him. Like, who's going to accept Slang for just being a good person. <laughs> That's amazing. You know that could be dope. Like you know, we like uh, you know, like uh, I, I even have a line where it was like, um, he quotes Martin Luther King Jr. He's like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said we, he wants to live in a country where people are judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. So he says, I want to be judged by the content of my character, not the scales on my skin. <laughs> you know. You said this uh, in tenth grade. Yeah, this is tenth grade. That's crazy. This is tenth grade. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. But. I mean, it's the same thing with my book, Black Privilege. Like, I guess, I guess Black Privilege is kind of the same concept. Because I know people see Black Privilege in the title, and they automatically think this is a book for black people, but it's not. It's just a book, book for people, period. Like, mm-hmm. privilege is something that you have to unlock. You know, like, contrary to popular belief, being white isn't just an easy path to success. I mean, go down to our home state, South Carolina, and go talk to some of those poor and disenfranchised white people who live in those trailer parks. You know, they want to know how they can cash in on their privilege. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's just like this book is just about unlocking your privilege, period, man. And like it's like eight principles that I've lived by that have gotten me to this point and helped me to access and unlock the privilege I guess I'm now afforded in, in this society and speaking of south carolina i mean you've been looking out for like some of the actors and you know artists from 
the state too. Absolutely. Keep up with them, like Sanford Green. Sanford Green, salute to Sanford. Sanford actually uh, he he drew a um he drew a black privilege portrait for my book. That's great. Yeah. So when you when you buy the book Black Privilege and you open it up, it'll be an illustration from my man Sanford Green, which just basically shows how you can unlock your privilege. It's, it's a dope drawing he did. I don't want to give too much away from it away f- about it, but it's dope because when you be able to open it up, you'll be able to hang that on your wall, and I and I hope that serves as like some type of vision board for people. Cause I believe awesome. in all of that. I believe in like the law of attraction, you know. I believe in the secret, you know. So I believe I believe in the power of intention. I believe your thoughts become things. So I believe you do have to constantly, you know, reinforce your thoughts and reinforce things that you think about every day. So hopefully this this illustration Sanford drew hanging up on your wall and you watch it every day and you say, yeah, I could become a superhero too. Because that's what, that, honestly, that's what the drawing is about. It shows how you start from here, mm-hmm. you apply certain things in your life, and then you are like this everyday superhero. So, yeah. And uh, Mike too, Mike Coulter. Mike Coulter, a.k.a. You, Luke Cage. You had him on your show. He even mentioned, he was like, oh yeah, I met this, I met Charlemagne. He's, he's from, he's from South Carolina. I was like, I, I know. Yeah. He talked, <laughs> I know Charlemagne. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned that in the, program right that that he's he's from south carolina you know why i did that because it serves for inspiration Mm -hmm. for people from where we're from because i know when i was young i used to you know research who was from south carolina like who successful was from south carolina like uh, salute to my guy dj b lord dj b lord is a dj who's been in south carolina for a long time i was actually just in columbia south carolina this past weekend because he had a um a born day party, birthday party. I call it born day because I feel like that's the day you were born. <laughs> it's the day your mother gave birth to you, so it's her birthday. But he had his born day party at, at the music farm. We had 21 Savage perform. And, like, I talk about it in my book, but how, how much of an inspiration B-Lord was to me because I remember seeing B-Lord on, I think, I don't know if it was Rap City or Planet Groove, one of those older BET shows, and he was on there with Big Tigger. And Big Tigger said, B-Lord from North Carolina. And B-Lord corrected him, like, nah, I'm from South Carolina. <laughs> And when he said that, it just set off a spark in me, yeah. like, oh, shoot, somebody from South Carolina's on BET on a hip-hop show with a hip-hop guy. Like, yo, I can do it, too. Like, literally, that's all it took for me was to see that. So it's like, when you see me shouting out people like Mike Coulter, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman, yeah. You know, which is ill to me that Mike Coulter's Luke Cage and Chadwick's Black Panther both from South Carolina. But, you know, Stephen Colbert. Yep. Like, when I see those type of people and I see the moves that they're making, it's like, wow. And you, I mean, I'm sure people are looking up to you from Dude, South Carolina hey, like man. crazy, too. Thank God. That's why I rap, honestly why I rep so hard. That's yeah. why you always uh, rep South Carolina with, regardless of what TV show I'm on, on the radio. Like, I want people to know I am from South Carolina because I want other kids from South Carolina to be inspired and be like, you know what? If he did it, I can do it, too. And, and, and when I say did it, don't have to be what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You can do anything. Like, Blake, you got a great position here at Marvel. What's your actual title here at Marvel? Nobody knows. So I just do a lot of everything, you know. <laughs> Were you sitting there with your Gamecock hat on? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I haven't had I, – I, I felt bad because I, I wore it today not to, to placate you, but I haven't had a haircut in a while. Blake, last time so, I saw you, you had a Gamecock hat on. That That's was, your thing. That was to say, hey, I'm from South Carolina. I didn't want to forget to tell you that, but this time was an accident. And like so. somebody like Mike – Mike's from a town smaller than me. Where's he from? I want to say Mike is from – is it outside Denmark. of Denmark? It's outside of Columbia. Oh, wow, okay. It might be Denmark. Mm-hmm. The only other thing about Denmark that I know about, if if I'm correct saying it correctly, is Viola Davis was born there. Yeah, they're cousins. They're like cousins. Yeah. That's another one. 
Yes. So it's just like yo, J- James Brown was born in South Carolina. Like you have Joe Frazier. Mm-hmm. Like you have to know about these great people who came from your state because it lets you know that greatness was born here and greatness can be groomed from here. So that's one reason I rep South Carolina so hard. I gotta give I give Mike crap all the time because he he went to USC. Yes, he did. But he likes Florida State, which makes no sense. Agreed. How did that happen? I, I, you should ask him next time you interview. I, him. I did not know that. Like yeah. I'm, my wife went to university. She said she South was a Carolina. cheerleader, right? She was a cheerleader. Yeah. She cheerleaded all four years in college. So it's like I'm a Gamecock fan, and I had mm. first cousins. My cousin Mal Lois, Luther Mal, my cousin JJ McKelvey, they both went to Clemson, and those were my guys growing <laughs> up. But I got way too much vagina in those dorms <laughs> at the University of South Carolina having sex with my wife all those years did not to be anything but a Gamecock fan. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm glad we got to talk South Carolina. I'm, um, you know, that was on the list of, of topics. That's all I think. We did. We posted with the South Carolina sent us to six. Yeah, it's well, me, I'm gonna get you. pushed out Why? soon because there, there's get, there's more famous people coming up. There's a girl from, um, but not in the Marvel world though. Yeah, there's a girl from uh, 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 Iron Fist. Rihanna? No, no, not Iron Fist. Oh, Iron Fist. My bad. Iron Fist, the TV show the that's TV coming show. out. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. from Anderson. Really? Yeah. So wow, what character is she playing? Oh, I have to look it up. She's one of the. There's a brother and sister. Uh, duo they're the villains got you and she's uh she's from anderson yeah you said iron fist my mind went to iron heart because that's one of the comics that i'm reading right now oh yeah so what are you what are you, are you keeping up with everything Every, I'm, man i got my, my wife hates me right now because i can't do the digital thing like i can't oh, well. like read comics off the computer like i still like going to the comic book store and you know i buy mad comics but like right now i'm reading um i'm reading a lot i'm reading i'm reading power man and iron fist mm-hmm. i'm reading black panther um I'm reading the world of Wakanda. I'm reading Old Man Logan. I'm reading the Miles Morales Spider Man. You know what's so funny, man? I remember like three years ago, I talked about how I hated diversity in comic books. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I hate. I was like, oh, I hate how they're making a woman Thor. Or how they making, you know, uh, um, like I just did. I just didn't like the diversity. Like the Asian Incredible Hog. I'm like, I don't want diversity in my comic books. Now all like most of my favorite comics are the diverse ones. Like I like the Miles Morales Spider Man. I love Captain Marvel. I fell in love with Captain Marvel during the um, the Civil War too, mm. and so now I'm reading her comic book, and I just think it's dope. I'm, I'm the the new Iron Man, the Rihanna chick. She's ill to me. Like I like <laughs> I like how that whole story got set up. How she grew up in Chicago and had some friends that were killed, or like step pops was killed. So now she wants to be the superhero. She's a genius. Like I'm just I'm just like wow. I, I, she's she's dope. So I'm reading. I'm reading that now. What else? What else am I reading? I'm reading Venom. I just started reading Venom. I think they only on like like issue two at the moment though. But I'm reading a bunch of different comics at the same time, man. So I guess I mean it, this is good f- to mention to fans too how they can pick up your book. I mean right now they can just pick it up online. online. It's an Infinity yep. comic, but I believe and I might be wrong, but in February it'll be out on the trade. And that'll be a big moment too, since you like the physical copies yeah. and you get your hands on it. I don't know what trade means. Break it down. Like that's I like know what trade means in the gay world, but what, <laughs> it, what does it mean in Marvel? I'll have to ask you what that means afterwards. But it's uh, just the tra- the big you know things collected together. Got you, got you. So your issue, Method Man's issue, and then the others from that year are going to be collected into one big book. Got you. So I think you'll be the last one just because it's in order. So I get hard copies, basically. Yeah, yeah. Dope. That'll be a big deal. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. It's really not a, it's funny, it's really not official till it's like, 
in your hands in that form. Like mm-hmm. digital is great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Everything's digital now, but I'm old school. I can't even I don't even read books on like Kindles and stuff. Yeah. Like I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I have to go to the bookstore. I have to hold the book in my hand. I have to fold pages. I have to like go through chapters that way. Like I can't just read a book digitally. I can't do it. But that's the weird thing now too. I'm the same way as you, but these days that's all the people are asking for is yeah. digital and like like we were talking about earlier, your book blew up all over the internet. Every, yeah. every website picked it up. But did, I wonder how many people actually read it. Like, it's one thing to run the story. It's a great story. Yeah. Charlemagne the God, Inks, because that, you know, the headlines nowadays, they just, this one bad chain letter. So it goes from Charlemagne does issue of a Marvel comic to Charlemagne Inks deal with Marvel. <laughs> like, no, it was one issue. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully we got a lot more to come, but it was in the, in the meantime, it's just one issue. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you like the Civil War too? Uh I didn't read it. Oh, it was great, yeah. man. It's eight issues. It was great. I'll I have to go I, back. I can't wait. And that's the other thing when you're reading Marvel now, you're like, yeah, this is gonna be dope in movie form later on. Mm-hmm. Like like 10, 15 years from now, Civil War Two is gonna play out great in the movies. You just want a Charlemagne movie on your book. Yeah, I mean of course. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't I? Like why wouldn't I want uh, can you imagine that? A Charlemagne Marvel movie? Was I want <laughs> was Doc was Green um Goblin was he the main one you wanted as the villain the whole time? No, nah, that's why I was I was I was like hung up on what villain I wanted. I didn't really know I really didn't know what villain I wanted. Cuz mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be somebody like that would just be so unrealistic for me to be able to take out like Thanos. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like our apocalypse or somebody mm-hmm. like like no, I wanted somebody I can handle the dude on the little hoverboard. Okay, you know what I'm the saying? Like that, like that would make more sense, you right. know. But then I, I you know, I had the idea for well since I got all these superheroes coming, like, like let's just make it like a bum rush. Let's just make it like to where all of these villains know that all these superheroes gonna be kicking it in one place, probably gonna have their guard down, you know, because they drinking or whatnot. Let's just all set up the bum rush right here. You know, and then I like it's, it, I made it realistic too. Like the, that's the best part about the Inhumans because it was, it wouldn't be realistic if it didn't have that whole aspect of the whole Inhuman thing. Because mm-hmm. like all of us regular human beings have like this one little gene that could be set off, you know. So that's what made it make more sense. Um, let me ask too. Like I, I really wanted to get back on what you talked about with like being from South Carolina and find out you could do something based on who you know listening and on seeing that guy on that show mm-hmm. what advice would you give for people want to do what you do for a living I, w- I would tell them don't don't scribe to do what I do mm-hmm. like don't don't be inspired to do exactly what it is that I do because you know life is a lot like comic books in the sense that we're all super heroic meaning that I use this analogy where I talk about God being our father mm-hmm. and Everybody in the world is your brother. Everybody in the world is your sister. So it's like just one huge Christmas tree. So literally everybody has a gift under that tree that can save their life, that can that can change their circumstances. Everybody. But imagine how frustrating that would be searching for your gift with all these different people. Like you find, some people find their gifts before others. Some people don't find their gifts at all. Some people get mad because everybody else is finding their gift before them, so they just stop searching. Like, you got to have a lot of patience. You got to have a lot of perseverance, and it's going to take a lot of hard work to shift through all those gifts to find your own. But once you find it, man, your life changes Mm -hmm. a whole lot. So it's just like, for me, I wouldn't tell people to do what I do. I would just be inspired by what it is that I do, and I would search for what, 
my gift is. Mm-hmm. Simple and plain. But you know, it all has to start with just wanting to do something positive. Because I know for me, like you know, I'm wearing a hat right now that says retired drug dealer, and it's it's just a, I think it's just a funny hat. I never was a a huge drug dealer. I was a guy that sold quarter spoons, which is seven grams, chop them up in twenties, mm-hmm. spend two hundred fifty dollars. You know, you supposed to get a hundred dollars per gram, so you supposed to make seven hundred dollars. You usually probably make like five hundred dollars back, whatever, whatever. But I was just doing foul stuff like that. I was cutting up in school, and then the cutting up in school turned into me. You know, running the street, and then after going to jail a few times, I'm like, yo, in order to change my life, I got to change my lifestyle. So it's just like I was just looking to do something positive. So before I stumbled upon radio, I worked at Taco Bell. I I worked at a warehouse. I worked at a flower garden. I worked at a clothing store in the mall. I tried to rap. Like, I would do anything that was creating positive energy in my life, right? So it's just like when I stumbled upon radio, just meeting this dude, named Willie Will and just asking him how did he get in the radio and he told me that you know he went and got an internship at Z93 Jams in Charleston, South Carolina. I just went down to the station and got me an internship. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and I remember saying to him, so I don't got to be in school or nothing? And he was like, I don't, I don't think so. He didn't even know, but I didn't even care. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going down to the radio to try to get me an internship. And I went down there and I asked for an internship. This is 1998. I filled out the internship papers. My, 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 my woman, who's my wife now, took me down there, filled out the internship papers. And they hired me as an intern, and I, I haven't looked back yet. So once again, I wouldn't tell people to do what I do. I would just say be inspired by what I do, but found out find out what you're good at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Find out what you're really passionate about. I got into the radio game and realized I'm really passionate about radio. And the reason I know I was really passionate about radio because I did it for so long without making so without making a lot of money. Right. I didn't really start making money until I got to the Breakfast Club on Power 105.1. Like, that's just the truth to the matter. Like, before that, the highest I was ever making was $70,000 a year. And that's when I did morning radio in Philadelphia. And then with with Wendy, I worked with Wendy for free for a year and a half. Because, you know, when I was doing radio in Columbia, South Carolina, and utilizing the internet and posting all my interviews and stuff like that, you know, a lot of those interviews got into the got into the hands of Wendy's production team. So Wendy would be talking about me on her radio show, and they came down to Columbia, man, and we just showed her that that good Southern hospitality, her and her cousin, her husband Kev, and they invited me to come to New York one time. And I went up to New York. She asked me to come on her show. I went on her show and literally never left that night. <laughs> that night, her husband was offering me a position on her show, but her husband was like, "Look, we can't pay you, but we can give you a place to stay. Cool, That's awesome. I'll figure it out. You know why? Because I'm a superhero." And that's what I did. I went <laughs> and I figured it out. And then, you know, uh, maybe a year and a half later, it was a year and a half later, they put me on payroll because she, reno- she renegotiated her contract with Inner City Broadcasting and WBLS. And I was making so much noise, you know, as far as people wanting me to do advertisements for, for, for them and stuff. So they put me on payroll. And I was making 70 grand a year then. So I didn't really start making that, you know, large money until now mm-hmm. on The Breakfast Club. So... It's just like, man, you just got to keep working until you find out what it is you love to do. And the thing you normal, the thing you love to do is the thing you would do for free. I don't see that in a lot of millennials nowadays. Yeah. I'm going to be totally honest. Like, I just don't see them. I don't see them hustling like that. Like, they, 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 they feel so entitled. Mm-hmm. Like, they feel like they feel like they're just supposed to have things just because. Like, I'm not working for free. I know my worth. Well, guess what? If you know your worth, you bet on yourself. Like that's 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 what really knowing your worth is. Mm-hmm. Knowing your worth is betting on yourself. Knowing your worth is knowing that, all right, I'm gonna sacrifice this now because I know I'm gonna get it later. 
That's what knowing your worth is. Betting on yourself, like my man Emery Jones says. Bet, bet on yourself. What, what would you say, I mean, you've obviously had so many great experiences doing this job and the other, the other jobs you've done. What were a couple that were really monumental to you personally? Jobs? Or not uh, jobs, I guess experiences with the job. Maybe someone you've interviewed that you never oh, thought you get to talk um, to? or Monumental. I mean, definitely, you know, when I was in South Carolina, I think Columbia's market number 90, 93 maybe mm-hmm. in the in the in the country. So to have a radio icon, a legend, somebody I I always looked up to in radio, Wendy Williams, to have her reach out and recognize my talent and my course, abilities yeah. and, and pull me up from Columbia, South Carolina. That don't happen, bro. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny because I just saw my homegirl Neek this week, and I actually mentioned Neek in my book. And Neek, uh, she works at Hot 1039 in Columbia, South Carolina. I remember Neek telling me one day, Neek goes, yo, you know, you know, sometimes you just got to look for signs. She was like, yo, if you leave this radio station right now, maybe just look at a license plate and see see, see what that see what state that license plate says. That may be where you need to go to wow. do radio. So I remember leaving the radio station. I was driving. I had a Honda Civic at the time. I'm driving, and I'm like, it just hit me when she, I thought about what she said. So I looked up, and I saw a license plate say New Jersey, and I'm like, ain't no f- Radio stations in New Jersey. No radio stations in New Jersey. Like, and then, then, then immediately my mind shifted to New York, and I'm like, I'll never get on in New York. Like, how would I get on in New York? That's market number one. Like, you know, I'm thinking New York is like a fraternity, which it is in a lot of ways. It's like this fraternity. You don't just get hired in New York. And so it was like when when it, when that situation did happen, and Wendy, you know, did pull me up, and I ended up living in New Jersey, but working in New York, it just made all the sense in the world so it was just like that was that was a monumental moment for me it was a monumental moment for a number of things because like i said it's about planting those seeds you know the fact that i looked up and saw that new jersey license plate even though my mind and this she said there's no radio stations in new jersey new jersey not gonna happen i never stopped thinking about new jersey that's amazing i never stopped thinking about new york another another time that kind of confirmed that was on the first time i ever interviewed trey song this trey was brand new like literally brand new. Trey's album wasn't even out yet. And I was interviewing Trey Songs in Columbia, South Carolina, on Highway 1039. And um, Trey, at the end of the interview, Trey and his people was like, yo, you need to be in New York, yo. And his exact words was, that star and buck shit, you got that. I don't know if I can cry. I can't curse on this, right? You can. Yo, he was like, that star and buck shit, you got that. I'm like, what? He was like, yeah, I'm telling you something. You need to be in New York. So that was another thing that planted the seed. Like it just planted that seed. So it made me feel like, yeah, you know what? I, I I can I can do radio in New York. So it's like those two moments, even though they may seem like, I guess, small things, like looking at a license plate or somebody just telling you that. Like, no, those are like moments that help you grow. You know what I mean? That help you just evolve. And I and I guess the latest moment was is newer, but that happened. That just happened last year, man. Just you know, Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. You know, I um. I went down to uh, Steve Harvey's ranch because Steve Harvey does this initiative every year where he takes like troubled youth, you know, these young men, and just just gives them game, gives them love, basically, you know, gives them a place to stay for a week, and gives their mothers a place to stay for a week, all on this ranch, and he has different people come in and talk to the kids, and different counselors and mentors, and just you know, riding around with Steve, man, you know, he smoking a cigar on that ATV, and he was just giving me game. He just basically told me. I'm 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 the one. He told me like, yo, you you that you that guy. Like you're that next guy. Like you That's can awesome. do everything I'm doing and more. And he, Steve just gave me game. Steve was like, yo, you just gotta learn to put the the the, the castor oil in the bubble gum. That's what he told <laughs> me. He said you just gotta learn to put that castor oil in that bubble gum. And he was like, 
He was like, Charlamagne, you can you can do it. You can do what I'm doing times ten. Like like he just gave me that game. So it was kind of like, hey, more more battery in the back. You know, more more seeds being planted. This is another person that I idolize and who's such an influence to me on a personal and professional level, telling me that. I'm that guy, so he recognizes something in me, and it's not about it. They don't that don't get me gassed up. That just motivates me. That's awesome. That just inspires me. So you know, when you talk about two moments that make me want to take things to the next level, like the reason I put on a suit for my book cover, and I don't think I ever told about this. The reason I put a suit on, a suit on for my book cover was because of Steve, because he just told me about his first book, and you know things that he's he's self aware about himself. So things that he had to do to evolve, and and and, and grow. And and I was like, yeah, you know what, you're right. Like 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 books represent what you're going to be. You know what I mean? Like uh, what you want to be. Yeah, I want to get to that point in my life where I'm either coming to work in suits or sweatsuits. You know what sweatsuits. That's it. Like a velour tracksuit. Yeah, it's a regular track. It'd be like a Jordan, that. a regular Jordan yeah. tracksuit. I want to be coming. I, one job is either suits or sweatsuits. <laughs> That's it. If That's I, amazing. If I'm doing radio in the morning, I'm in my sweatsuit. I'm doing my late night. Television show at <laughs> night or daytime talk show, suits. That's it. So <laughs> yeah, those, those those two moments were huge for me. Um, two quick questions before we have to go. One, I mean, what like you've been mentioning all throughout the interview. What's next? I mean, what, what is there something on your bucket list that you haven't done yet that you're looking to? I mean, what's not next? Oh yeah. You know, um, it's a lot of things I want to do. I want to do. I want to do late night television, mm-hmm. you know, um, in, in the same vein as a Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert. Um, you know, I, I think about the void Arsenio Hall left. You know, I felt like Arsenio was that dude for our generation. You know, he just had a very good understanding of hip-hop culture. He understood our sensibilities and everything, and he he broke a lot of new guys on that show. Like, a lot of people became stars because of Arsenio Hall. So, you know, I want to I want to do that. Like, I do. I do want to do that. Um a lot of executive producing, like you know, I love like I love creating content. Mm-hmm. Like I love finding new talent. I love finding you know new people to give opportunities to. You that's know, great. I feel like that's how you live forever. I feel like you don't live forever, you know, just off your own accord. You live forever by what you do for other people, for other people that you put in position. You know, because I feel like you know Wendy did that for me. She doesn't um, take the credit for it because <laughs> she doesn't know who I am now. But you know. <laughs> You know, I, I want to be able to, to to give other people opportunities. Like, I got a bunch of television shows that I'm executive producing, like a whole lot. You know, like I got my 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 late night show, Uncommon Sense. It comes back February 24th on MTV2 at 11:30. I'm executive producer of that, and then I got a couple other projects that I I can't announce yet, but I got a couple other projects that I've already gotten the green light that are coming out this year. Mm-hmm. So that those those announcements will be coming soon, and I'm executive producer of that. And um, like my book, Black Privilege, opportunity comes to those who create it. Like I want to. You know, c- continue to be in that writing space. Like I have a lot of friends who who write as well. I want to give them opportunities to to create books. But but basically, that's my biggest thing. My biggest thing personally, what I really want to do is just have my late night talk show and continue to to grow the Breakfast Club. But I, I want to create my platform to where I'm giving so many other people opportunities. That's, awesome. that's what I really really want to do. Like, so my my dreams and. My what's next are no different than what a Ryan Seacrest is doing now, what a Steve Harvey is doing now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in that same vein. Like I'm going to do do that times ten. And uh, I want to ask this too. I mean, you've obviously interviewed people that have traversed the music scene. Obviously, politicians, actors. Mm-hmm. 
Anyone else? Uh, is there anybody on your bucket list that you haven't spoken to yet? It's so funny when people ask me that question because I never have like a, I never have a list. Like yeah. I don't have a wish list. You know, it's just that sometimes I'll see things on the schedule and be like, oh, yo, that's great. That's gonna be interesting. You know, that's gonna be dope. And it and it's so funny, man. With the Breakfast Club, I've interviewed so many people that I never thought we would interview. Like I never thought I'd be sitting down with Hillary Clinton. I never thought I'd be sitting down with Angela Bassett. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like whoa, like those are just those are just. You know the first two that come to my mind that I think about. I never thought about like because I remember when Angela left. I'm like, damn, Angela Bassett, fine ass, just did the Breakfast Club. <laughs> like, like I think about stuff like that. Like you know what I mean? Because like growing, you know, we we always interviewing rappers and people in of the hip hop community. But now you have people who are not nowhere near hip hop who are fans of the show. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons we have such a broad appeal because we don't limit ourselves. You know, and I, and that's one thing I would never do. I never put myself in a box. I'm not, you know. Uh, don't just call me a hip-hop person or just a black person. I'm just a human being. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of different things. I'm into a lot of different things. So don't don't put me in a box and just tell me I can only do this. You know, d- I can do whatever it is I put my mind to. It goes back to that whatever your mind can is conceive, you can achieve. Like I, like, I like everything from the movie Paid in Full to the television show Girls. <laughs> so I can go from interviewing Cameron or Dame Dash who made the paid in full <laughs> film to interviewing Lena Dunham who made Girls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, like who says you have to just be one thing? Like, that's 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 the biggest thing I want to do in my production company. And it's so funny, when I'm in these movies, I mean, when I'm in these, I'm doing some movies this year too. I'm in a couple films that come out this year. I'm in a Grow House. That's a, a, a DJ Pooh movie. DJ Pooh did Friday. My man Little Duval and D-Ray Davis star in that. And I'm, I, got a, I got a scene in that. And uh, I'm in this other movie called Bodied. My man Joseph Kahn did. Joseph Kahn, um, he did this movie about battle rap. And it's basically exploring race relations through battle rap. Oh, wow. Which is dope. I'm, I'm, I'm in that film as well. So that was a slip of the tongue when I said movies, but then I was also a good way for me to plug <laughs> the, the movies I'm in. But what the hell was I talking about before that? I lost my train of thought. Um, it was what, it was movies. It was, um, oh, my production company. Yeah, okay. See, the thing I want to do with my production company, right? When I'm up here, when I'm up at like Viacom, I'm talking to Viacom, and I'm talking to like these different television networks. What I want to do is take hip hop out of the box you think hip hop is in. Because mm-hmm. when they think black, when they think hip hop, they automatically only come up with a limited amount of, of things for us to do on TV. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to explain to people is hip hop is pop culture now, period. Of course. Don't matter if you're black, white, Asian, Mexican. I did, we had 21 Savage at the Music Farm of Columbia, South Carolina. The, the crowd was 80% white. Okay, all in there singing 21 Savage songs. So I love that aspect of it. But we can do more than play the thug role. We can do more than play the, I, I can do more than play myself. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So what I want to do is like, somebody like Noriega, we got a show with Noriega coming out called On the Run Eating. That's been Nori's, you know, that, that's the acronym for his name on the run eating it's been like that forever but Nori's a foodie so let's make Nori the black Anthony Bourdain same way Anthony Bourdain can go to all these different places and eat Nori can go do the same exact thing so it's like those are things you wouldn't think of a hip hop person to do I got another real cool project I'm doing that I can't wait for people to see and it's with another very cool um, celebrity uh, should I say I'm not gonna say right now but it, it, but it, it's, 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 it's out of the box it's not what you would think this person would be doing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's basically, it's his real life because it's a reality show, but it's based off 
an aspect of his family that people haven't seen. You know, so it's just like for me, I want to take our people from hip hop and put them in just regular everyday scenarios. Cause guess what? We are regular everyday people. You don't have to typecast us all the time. And you know, like I said, have us in these thug roles. Um, let them play the shooter. Or <laughs> let them play the drug dealer. Or like, you know, nah, we can do more than that. So that's what that's the main thing I want to do with my production company is just take these brothers that are from the hip hop culture and put them in just like broader spaces. Cause we're into so much stuff. Mm -hmm. Like somebody like Waka Flocka, you can sit down and have a conversation with Waka Flocka about every conspiracy theory ever in the history of America. He believes in UFOs, ghosts, and all of that kind of stuff, but <laughs> you wouldn't know that if you don't have a conversation with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like somebody like Trick Daddy can cook, you know, more than crack. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you wouldn't know that unless you have a conversation with him. So it's just about taking these guys and putting them in like just regular everyday spaces, man. That's what I want to do with my production company. I gotta say, I wanted to say this on uh, on while we were rolling but when when you came by last time for the tour so many of our my coworkers were geeking out that you were by the office and you were so kind to them mm -hmm. and i really appreciate you doing that hey my grandma taking pictures with everybody you were you know doing that's, the whole thing that's the least i could do that was awesome i i graduated from night school at berkeley high school in Mons Corner, south carolina i never went to college i can hardly pronounce most words <laughs> i got a lish tongue and i am considered one of the top radio personalities in the country. I have a radio show called The Breakfast Club syndicating the 70 markets throughout the country. The least I could do is take a picture. You know what I'm saying? And plus my grandmother always told me, manners will take you where money won't. Like I want to walk in the room and I want to be the nicest person in the room because I want to get back what I give out. That's great. I walk into a room, I don't care what color you are, I don't care what your sexuality is, your gender, your class. I say what's up to everybody. I try to show everybody love and respect because that's what I want back. And, you know, they always say you got to be the change you want to see in the world, mm -hmm. right? So if you want to be the change you want to see in the world, then be the way you want people in the world to be. So, yeah. And plus, man, I was an intern. You never know who's going to be who. Mm -hmm. I was the intern. I was the guy that would go get you pizza. I was the guy that would go fix your coffee. And guess what? Most people in powerful positions started off as interns. So if you started from that and you get to the CEO level and you shit on the interns, you're just a terrible person. You never know who's going to be who. So why would I ever treat anybody with any disrespect just because of the position that they may be in. I hate people like that. That's my pet peeve. I always tell people, if you want to see the true character of a person, watch how they treat people who can't do anything yep. for them. Yep. Watch that's that's how you see the true character of a person. And and guess what? Everybody I know that's like really got it. Like really got it. Like I've seen Jay Z talk to everybody in the room. I've seen Beyonce talk to everybody in the room. I the first time I ever met Beyonce, Beyonce said hi, my name's Beyonce. Like and and this was two years ago. I was at a party. <laughs> I was at a party with Jay Z. He didn't talk to me. He didn't talk to you. Yeah. Did he? Wrong? How big was the party? It was the forty forty club. Really? I mean, he can't go around shaking everybody's hand. In the I mean, now I'm, I mean, now I'm sad. Christ. Were you near him? Yeah, he walked past me and I said hello. And he said, "What's up, right?" He, he waved. Yeah, he acknowledged okay. you. Yeah, I guess you're right. Some dudes won't even acknowledge you. Yeah. Good Matter of fact, some dudes will get you beat up for saying hi to them. <laughs> how dare you say hi to me? You in the Gamecock hat, you peasant. <laughs> you peasant. You know what's so funny? I've been in the 4040 with somebody, man, and they've said to me, don't talk to anybody who can't get in the VIP. What? I've been in the VIP <laughs> with a person who shall remain nameless, and I remember them saying to me, 
don't make eye contact with anybody who can't be in VIP. <laughs> and I remember saying to myself, well, I don't want to be in VIP. There anymore. you go. I'm going out here to kick it with these regular, <laughs> these so-called regular people. Like, people are weird, bro. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm just not like that. Like, that's not my character. I like, I like for you to say, yo, Charlamagne, you know, when you was here, everybody said how kind you were. That's yeah. the biggest compliment somebody can pay you, to me. Because like I said, my grandma told me manners will take you when money won't. So the biggest compliment somebody can pay me is like, he's really a nice guy. Yeah, it, seriously, thank you for that. It, you made their day. That's it. I mean, um, he's really a nice guy. That goes a long way. But thanks again for taking the time to do the interview, man. It's an honor. Thank it's been a while trying to get you over here just because everybody's super busy, but I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for Marvel. Thank you for Marvel for allowing me to dream all these years. And welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. This won't be my last comic book. I want to have you. We have a tagline that we end the show. This is Marvel, your universe. And since you're part of the family, would you end the show for Absolutely. us? Absolutely. Listen. Charlemagne the God here, okay? What is it? This is Marvel, your universe. universe. Oh, yes. Charlemagne the God here, uh, and this is Marvel, your universe.